What's up, everybody? Y'all already know who it is. It's Jalen Gasper, and this is E2 coming at you. Well, not really live, but pre-recorded live. And we got, as always, my special, special friend, Andre, the Mlaxon, Claxon, Flaxon, Daxon, always stay packing, eating cracklings, because... He is Islamic. Please. No, don't listen to anything Jalen has to say because none of it is true. But uh, we got another episode here today. One more close hitting the home. You know, it hits close to home. You know, it's about our city. It's about our uh, our town where we're from, our home. And we got a special guest today. One of our best friends back from uh, his uh, prison stance at uh, Southern. My name is Jalen Gidry, you know. Uh, I attend Southern University, and, you know, I'm part of the prestigious human jukebox marching band. You know, ju 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 juke. And, uh, man, we're just so excited to have you here uh, today, Jalen. Uh, Jalen, like Andre said, he is a native uh, from where we're from, uh, put out to Texas. In this episode, we're really going to try to do something different. Um, we're going to veer uh, from entertainment, from the world's view, and focus on our city today and where we're from. And uh, I'm going to let our mediator elaborate on some uh, views that he has about our city, being a small-town millennial. Um, uh, yeah, actually, this is kind of a bit of my brainchild for today's episode. I just wanted to uh, get my friend's opinion. I want to talk me personally, I want to talk about it, and I just wanted to get, you know, the opinion of the people who live here about our city, about where we're from, about uh, Port Arthur, Texas, uh, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, and uh, I just wanted to get, first off, uh, both of you guys' opinion about how did you feel about growing up in Port Arthur? Uh, did you enjoy your experience? Did you dislike it? Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, go ahead and start things off. Well, um... This is a podcast from the perspective of a small town millennial. You guys can see it in the um uh the bio of the podcast when you're um playing it on uh, Apple Music or Google Play or even Anchor. You can see it in the bio that this is a a, a podcast from the perspective of small town millennials, and a lot of people don't know the difference between millennials and small town millennials and how. When you're a millennial from a small town, your market your market from opportunity is just so small compared to people, let's say, in Baton Rouge or Austin or New York or California or Denver. Are these big, you know, megapolitan or even Houston, you know, being in a small town city, uh, of course, I'm not going to say that it's all bad. But like I said, our market for opportunity is very low. We, we don't wake up seeing the Empire State Buildings. You know, we don't wake up seeing the Hollywood sign. We wake up seeing a, a oil behemoth of a refinery and, you know, creating back hackney for us and uh, causing air pollution. Uh, but we don't see, you know, luxury, luxurious things like other people in bigger cities would see. And so I feel like being in a, a small town has really, you know, giving me insight on what it is to be complacent and how being complacent can really be toxic to you in um, your everyday life. Well, well, I take it being in a small town, you know, because everybody doesn't want to see you succeed mm -hmm. in the city I'm from. <laughs> you know, they, it's, it's always going to be somebody in your ear saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, or you won't make this, or, or why are you trying this because this ain't going to work, or, or this and that. And so I just growing up here, you just you just realize that you can't really take no nothing 
that nobody says for granted. You know, you gotta just exactly. do what you do what you know is right, and work down your path of what you think can better yourself as a human being. Again, because it's exactly he's going back to what you know what I was saying that since we're from a small town, you know our our goals that we meet are strictly based off of our drive. We we don't network. We don't uh, get these opportunities handed to us. We had to work harder to get where we were. And I feel like that's a bit representative of the uh, the ceiling and uh, the cap that is in Port Arthur and in a whole lot of uh, predominantly black uh, communities or small communities where you don't really get an opportunity to dream. You don't really get an opportunity to uh, shoot for your own personal high goals. A lot of goals for you are uh, standards are already set once you're born, once you're starting to come up, you know, your parents kind of tell you, don't don't worry about something that like that that's frivolous, like painting or, you know, being an artist or something like that. Stick to these hard trades, you know, uh, go to the refinery. You know what I'm saying? Get you a trade uh, certificate and be a plumber or uh, a, uh electrician, you know. Exactly. It's always kind of blanketed or it comes after that. Uh, we just we just want you to be able to support yourself, but we want you to uh, get a, a hard paying job. But you never really get an opportunity to uh, do what you feel you want to do. And uh, and cities that are bigger than us, who have more opportunities that you don't get to see that as much. And um, that was one thing that I personally disliked about living in Port Arthur. Something that I still to this day dislike, and I feel a lot of young kids are uh, still dealing with it right now. What do you guys, if you could pick one, is something that you personally disliked about living? Mm. Mm. I gotta think about that. I mean, you you gotta think about that. I mean, personally, what uh, I if if we're just talking about nitpicking, I mean, uh, we could do that all day. There's a lot of things wrong with our our city. We have so many leaks in so many areas. So, um, not only we deal with you know black oppression that everybody all black people deal with throughout the uh, United States. But we also deal with um, our own silver issues, such as, you know, the refinery having that $12 million tax break. So I'm not going to really nitpick, but I guess really what, what affects me the most is like um, our our city's um, consistency is so low. Um, and when I when I say that, I really mean uh, our consistency and our drive for our children, uh, which are which are our true infrastructure to be better. You know, recently we just won the state championship in basketball. And, you know, it, it was always, it was put out the versus everybody, put out the versus everybody, put out the versus everybody. But now you're not hearing that anymore. But things are still going on. Like, kids are about to graduate. Like, this is the great greatest time to be happy. But you're saying that a kid graduating is, um, it, it brings you less joy than a basketball championship? Like, that makes no sense. I feel like we use these kids definitely with their athletic talents, uh, such as, um, uh, you know, Jamal Charles, Corey Dauphin. Uh, we, we use these people to uh, give us a sense of happiness, but we don't care about their education afterwards. You know, we just care about, hey, they're going to get us that championship now. And so, like, yeah, we could, we could say put out the got something now. And that's personally what I hate about put out is our consistency. Well, to really to piggyback what Jalen said, you know, it's it's really just about how they kids in Port Arthur don't really see what what a a model um, human being, not human being, a model a leader in society should be. Exactly. They don't. They don't. They they see all they see in Port Arthur is the drug dealers, the the people with the guns, the the all the basketball stars or the football stars. They don't. All they want to play 
all they want to do is play football or deal drugs. You know, they don't they don't see that you can be successful by stocks, being <laughs> in the stock market. Exactly. You can be you can be successful going to medical school or things like that. And you, and you can even be successful being doing what you want to do. You you don't have a, a designated job like Jalen. Uh, can you tell them what you do? Like, well, I'm a I go to school. I'm in the band at Southern University, but I go to school for rehab rehabilitation. I want to be a physical therapist, and that's just something I've been you know wanting to do for a long time, and I just decided to go do it. No, no, no. Let me ask you: Like, has anybody ever, like, in this community, have you ever seen any representation of that of, of your field that you want to pursue? No, never. Like, it's, it's just something I looked into for myself. I've never seen. I, I haven't seen anybody like come talk to me and be like, "Oh, physical therapy is like this, it's like that." But in in Baton Rouge, where I'm at, where I'm currently living, I hear that all the time. I, I get I get connections all the time like that. Because Baton Rouge being the capital of Louisiana. It's obviously a bigger city to uh, look from. And uh, before I ask you guys the next question, I just kind of want to add on to what you were saying, Taylor, about the uh, refineries and this $12 million tax break those guys get. And I hate that that exists in our city because uh, living here, you see where that money could have gone. Mm -hmm. uh, these uh, corporations who consistently come out here and make their entire living off my hometown don't pay their fair share. And then you look around and you see that that $12 million could have went to a whole lot better. They've been building that uh, addition or uh, what is it, the ninth grade center next to Memorial for like a year or two now? It's still it's not really done. And, and not, they, they were just building it. We voted, they voted on it when we were in school, when we were in high school. And it's still not finished. I've been in high school. Uh, this is about to be my fourth year. Yeah. And uh, you look around and you see. How long has Blue Bonnet been messed up, man? Forever. Since I, since I was in school, man. <laughs> that money could have went to there, and that could have been fixed two, three years ago. And now they want to blame it on Harvey. And Harvey has nothing to do with it. Like, the street's been messed up. Like, and that's, and, and, and I hate how we just, for, like, you know, because you guys bringing up a great point. But I even hate how, like, the, the populace have put out the life to focus on Blue Bonnet when there's, like, 12 other blue like, lines. See, that, like, hey, like, you could go to outside of my house. Like, you got to drive carefully. Like, like, all these streets are messed up. You'd be hard-pressed to find a street that actually is just nice. Yeah. Most streets have something wrong with them. And, uh, money that we're just letting people who come here and make a living off of our city, we're letting them keep that money when it could be contributed to the bettering of our uh, city. And with that, I'd like to ask you guys, personally, do you have any plans now that you're actively working towards or plans just in the future that you would like to see for put off that you personally would like to partake in and participate with? Well, I, I would like to see like a mentorship program for like youth in middle school and house on the high school level. So they can like talk to college kids and, or, or even adults that's in their field of, of interest and to where they can get information and, you know, be mentored, and to be showed up and taught the right way to how to do things. Exactly. Do what they want to do. I, I really love that answer, to be honest. Um, because Paulo Free says in the pedagogy of the oppression that when you're dealing with oppressed people, you have to teach them differently than privileged people. You know, we don't have all the tools that the privileged people have. You know, that it just due to something that we can't control because due to history. So if we're oppressed, we have to take our relationship with our students one-on-one. -on -one. We have to be a sensei relationship. We have to be very subjective in our in our in our approach. I feel like a lot of things, even in education, are like when we try 
to um, send kids to college. It, it, it's all objective. It's like we're depositing knowledge that we think they should know instead of having like something like a mentorship program to where like that kid can be exposed to solely what they want to do. You know, do I think the liberal arts are important? Of course, you know, you need science, you need math, you need social studies. You know, you need these um, uh, in these things to be uh, kind of successful in life. But, you know, I think Jalen, uh, we were having a conversation <laughs> yesterday and uh, he brought up the fact that um, we're almost what, 22 now. And I haven't used the Pythagorean theorem in real life yet. That's true, too. A lot of uh, information that we kind of just get force fed that's set as the standard across the board and uh, isn't really applicable in today's world and society. A lot of it uh, is kind of just a general preparation for what uh, has been set as the standard for what you need to be a citizen or an adult. But once you start looking at what people actually use in their day to day lives as adults, it's not a lot of what they're taught. You know, um, a lot of it is kind of uh, left up to family relations or stuff that you uh, people feel you should already know but in uh, cities and communities like we live in with uh, impoverished people like we are or our race and other minorities they don't have that uh, access to that knowledge as ready as uh, let's say maybe their white counterparts might uh, and that has a lot to do with how they've been able to establish and set up their uh, communities and uh, control the revenue of capital within their uh community and how that has obviously it's a testament to how that can work and it's yeah. currently not working in our uh, communities and uh, that's something that I personally dislike and something that needs to change a lot of uh, young kids need to be taught more about life and less about schoolwork and it's unfortunate that uh, as we say in this it's not really that applicable in life where a lot of the things you are taught are necessary to get jobs but only because those jobs usually need a degree and uh, that, to me, is unfortunate. It's kind of pushed a lot of uh, impoverished people out of the workforce and, and even out of jobs and even out of getting a, a degree. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Um, I was talking to you recently a while ago. Actually, we talked about this a long time ago. And then we just recently uh, brought it back up. And I thought this would be extremely important to talk about is that you have plans for changing some of the school names in Port Arthur. And uh, that kind of was an eye opener for me because uh, it took me. You know, years after I got out of school, those school, you know, years after I've been in elementary, years after I've been in middle school to see what the names of those schools truly meant and exactly. who the people that those names were for. Uh, I'd just like you to talk about that for a second, about why you feel that some of those names aren't just and why they should be changed. I almost forgot about that, <laughs> but uh, thank you. Um, yes, recently, um, me and my friends have been uh, working with the NAACP. To, um, recently, we started working with them to start a movement to change the name of two schools in our area, and that being uh, Robert E. Lee Elementary and Dick Dolan Elementary. And those two names come from Confederate soldiers who fought in the uh, Confederate World War, oppo opposing the Union and basically defending slavery. And... It, it's it's kind of like what you said. They they implement uh, when you see these uh, these names of buildings, you start seeing that they implement it on young demographic of students who can't really like have a vocal um, presence in um, our school board. So we end up having these names and not even know that oh these people were slaveholders. And a lot of people like to argue about uh, when you see the. Uh, alt-right or the conservative right um, like to argue that, oh, well, these Confederate statues and uh, these Confederate monuments, they're part of our heritage. Oh, they're heritage, not hate. Bull crap. 
a heritage. But these same people will proclaim that they're patriots. But would hold would, would literally say, "Okay, I'm a patriot and I stand for America." But they'll be cool with naming the school after a rebel South, mm-hmm. or they'll be cool with hanging the flag from uh, the rebel South. Like, how much of a patriot are you really? Like, yeah, you supporting traitors? That's what they are. They're, 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 traitors. they're traitors, and we haven't even gotten to the discussion of why it, it's it's hurting our demographic of people. It's hurting our demographic of people because we're still growing up in our neighborhoods full of black people, full of Hispanic people, full of uh, just minorities. But we still don't have any capital that represents minority. You know, we don't have a school that represents our district. We don't have a school that says Barack Obama. uh, Independent. Like we don't have a school that says Cesar Chavez Middle School. The closest we have is uh, Julian Adams. Yeah, uh, uh, Lucian Adams, Adams. Adams. and uh, yeah, and that was the newest addition. Uh, Sergeant Lucian Adams, being the um, uh, the veteran who fought in uh, what was it, Korean War or World War Two? Sure. But yeah, basically he received. Yeah, he received the Purple Heart, and he's a he's a great man, great Hispanic, uh, great Hispanic leader to look up to. He really fought for uh, us in the country, but that was a new addition. Sergeant Lucian Adams is a new addition. Now we need to get to these schools that still have Confederate names. Because now we're growing up in a district to where, like, yes, we'll have an, an elementary that's heavy populated with, you know, diverse pools from white uh, to Hispanic and black. But as soon as they get to the high school level, all those white people migrate to neighboring white areas. So now we, we're left with these Confederate names of these schools when nobody even who supports, like, their doctrine or this uh, this idea that is heritage. We, nobody even supports that. But... It's still represented in our in our school district. Basically, we still have a, a tarnished white name in our school district and, and a, with an all black school council. Exactly. Like, like, that's exactly what I was about to say. Is uh, you can't this, this that really isn't our heritage. You know, exactly. First off, if you want to talk from a race uh, standpoint, and on top of that, I'm an American. I, I have I don't want anything to do with the Confederate soldier. Exactly. Uh, specifically because I am black. And what I would have been to those men that these schools are named after of if I existed in a time that they lived in. And also on the standpoint that I, I, I am an American. I may not like every single thing that America does today or even 100 and 200 and 300 years ago. Still the greatest country on the planet. Exactly. exactly. The ideals that this country is built upon are things that I do respect. It exactly. just has been uh, mishandled, uh, inappropriately handled, and hasn't lived <laughs> up to the name that it should hold. And um, I would like to say or uh, ask you guys is that it's a beautiful thing to want to change the name of these schools. It's a beautiful thing to want to uh, possibly swap them out with uh, not just pro-black people or pro-black Americans, but just true Americans who up truly, in my opinion, upheld what this country should stand for. And I'd like to say that it's beautiful to talk about this on the podcast, to get your voice out, to talk about this on social media because it allows us to network and keep in contact and share ideas with people who I may never have been able to meet. You know, I've been able to talk to people from Minnesota or from New York or California. And uh, 20, 30 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible. But um, to do the things that we would like to do to get what we'd like to be accomplished, accomplished, we have to vote. And I'd like to get you guys' opinions on how do you feel uh, local citizens should be more involved in politics, whether it's at the national level, you know, with the president or just at the state level with the governor, or even just at the local level with your city councilors, your, your justice of the peace, your um, your judges, 
you know, your school board. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that's something that should be stressed more than it is today? Most definitely. Vote, voting is very important because the people, like, the people have the voice. Without without the people in the city, there is no city to run. <laughs> so if you, if you don't vote, then you just you have nothing to, compl- to complain about. You basically let you're basically letting whatever's happened to your city you're letting it happen because mm-hmm. you because you're not saying nothing about it by not voting for the Preach. people that you want in into office. You you can't you can't complain about something not happening. But when the dude you let get in office, he doesn't care about what you what you complaining about. He doesn't even like that. That wasn't in his agenda to fix in the first place. Exactly. Like he wasn't even tar- like he wasn't even targeting the demographic of people. And now we're wondering why they're not <laughs> like it. Like in again, this is an unbiased podcast to where we come from a very open minded uh, <laughs> liberal view, but we're very open minded and we're not gonna be biased about anything. But Quote me on this. Y'all, y'all not a part of this, but quote Jalen Gasper on this. If they want someone to be president, he's going to be president. Why fo- I hate how people focus on these national electoral co- uh, elections that involve the electoral college. Like, we have anything to do with it. No, but, then, but then they'll vote for the presidential election, but never vote for local elections. Like, that's what matters the most. Like, that's what directly affects your city. Like, okay, like, oh, yeah, I voted against Trump. Well, did you vote in the past election when they were voting for school board members? Like, oh, no, nah, dog, I don't Trump, care about Trump that. Trump's not coming to put out not there. Trump never coming to put out there. So it's like you're not voting for people, your, your constituency. You're not voting for uh, what, what's integral to you. Uh, you voting for Trump, but did you vote for U.S. Uh, House of Representatives? Uh, nah, dog, I mean, that's not really important. They control a whole budget, like not just their budget, but the budget of everything. They control salary. <laughs> like, like, so when we want to complain about black people not getting paid in the industry or black people not getting paid in their field, we would go directly to them. So what do you mean? Uh, I voted against Trump, dog, but I ain't voting this uh, past mayor election. That shit not important. Yeah, it, that just, it sounds stupid. It sounds retarded. Like. And uh, I feel like people don't understand the importance of that and how it can trickle down and trickle up. Where uh, if you pay attention and you participate in your local elections, that can have an effect further up where you're increasing a pool of people who believe in what you believe and support what you support. And that can be the push for them to get in higher positions Mm -hmm. where maybe there are a lot of uh, black or minority uh Let's say political grads, you know, political science grads, you know, people who have communications degrees, people who are uh, involved in their community who can't affect things at the national level. But if you get them in positions of power who can affect uh, the local level, the small level, then quite possibly from the experience that they gain helping better your city, they now can better the state. And once they've shown that they can better the state, now that that's a person who you've known for some odd years, who had proof for some odd years of supporting what you support, pushing for what you want to be pushed, and fixing what you'd like to be fixed, is now in a better position to fix this entire country. Exactly. And, uh, that's the thing that a lot of people don't pay attention to, I feel, and uh, it, it allows the, the conservative vote to essentially dominate because uh, conservatives, Republicans, people on the right, they vote. They know the importance of that. Exactly. And that it, it, it goes up where a lot of people who uh, are now uh, – presidential candidates, people who've run in the nomination multiple times and never won, they got their start in politics from the local level. And a lot of uh, black and minorities miss out on that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think it's extremely important to always pay attention to the political process at any aspect because it all contributes to one goal, and that's the bettering of people. Uh, it just ha- happens to have different levels of what can be affected at this time by this person. And um, well, I believe that people should be more educated on what the president can and cannot do. Like <laughs> people don't understand that he can't he can't do anything without the House's say so. Yeah. Like they have to sign off on it. The Supreme Court has to sign off on it. He's he can't do everything by himself, and so they don't they don't vote for the House elections or for the Supreme Court because they think the president gonna do whatever he wants anyway, and nobody gonna tell him nothing regardless. Mm-hmm. But when you put the right people into the House that tell him no, exactly, then he then you know he can't do anything. Yes, that that is uh, that is representative of what happened during Barack Obama's election. Uh, I mean, his presidency, his eight years, where uh, Mitch McConnell, he's the majority whip. Yeah, he's the yeah. majority leader. That, this is something Not verifiable that you can look up, Google, and play in front of you right now. Where that man during Barack Obama's presidency stated that his goal and the GOP's main goal for the eight years Barack Obama would be president was to prevent, stall, and block any. Uh, measure any bill, anything that he said. Everything he said, they was going to say no to. Everything. Now, it was beautiful that black people could get out and vote for a black man. He won twice. Yes. But you also got to vote for, like Jalen said, the House, Congress, people like that, because they also have power in the political arena that is America. That is uh, the, the, what we are in a Democratic Republic. Oh, yeah, yeah, Democratic Republic. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. In the uh, system that we live in. And it's not just the president has all the power. He does everything. And it's not just, you know, some shadowy organization behind the scenes who pays for every election. It's not like that. Yeah. People do endorse things. They spend a whole lot of money on certain candidates. And it makes it easier for a candidate to win. But they do not win it for you. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I just feel like when you piggybacking off of Jaylen, what Jalen said, you know, that that's my whole message. Like these uh, the seats that you don't even worry about, the, the votes that you the election that you don't even worry about be the most integral yeah, one. Like because like House of Representatives, they get what two years per term, mm-hmm. but they don't have a limit on when they serve. So they start serving as many Senate, Congress, they get six years. They don't have a limit when they serve. So they just keep serving. They just, they, they just keep serving. But, you know, the president is it has an executive limited power. This is a limited government. So for you to vote for our president thinking that you're going to see change in your community, that's, that's literally like saying, like, bro, I hope I vote for this mayor and everything in Saudi Arabia, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, no, it's two different forms of government. You got a way to work before you get to the president having any control over what you do. The put out there is a say, uh, like, like Jeff Jeff Sessions, our attorney general, he's an advocate against immigration. Put out there, we're a sanctuary city. That shows you that uh, we, we will be negatively impacted by the decisions made by that man. <laughs> and, um, I guess the general theme I've gotten from you guys is that voting at the local level, voting input out there is extremely important. Do you feel that, uh, this is probably the last question I'm going to ask you guys and we're going to wrap it up, but do you feel that uh, more young black kids need to be exposed to voting from a young age and taught the importance of that? You know, it's, it's a whole lot harder we talk about, you know, conventional 40-year-old man or 
50 year old person yeah. to believe in what you believe do you think that uh starting this from a young age not necessarily just you know getting them to believe in our beliefs you know just teaching young black kids to be democrats you know i don't believe in that but do you think yeah. that it's important just to expose them to the importance of voting in general to the importance of the political arena in general young people especially young people in Puerto Rico. Hell yes. Like, bro, like, that's the thing. When you when you want to change a society, you have to start with the most malleable. Kids, even though we, we you can call us hooligans, even though you can call us uh, rambunctious, uh, ghetto hood rats, whatever you want to call us, niggas, whatever you want to call us, we're malleable in state. So where... To where we're just trying to figure out at the ages of 15, 16, we're just trying to figure out what this world is and what's going on. And a lot of times why kids turn to certain things that Jalen brought up earlier, such as uh, gun violence and gang crime, is because that's all they see. We need to put up a representation to where like a kid can be more. And we can only start that when a kid is malleable when, when they're young. Like, like, cause like you were saying, like when you're 50, 40, your mind is made up. You know, that's why a lot of people who's 50 and 40 and are not really involved politically, their arguments will stop where uh, stop at. That's how I feel. And it will be no reason back behind that. And of course, I think that's also a difference in generations, too. But I do feel that definitely with the Generation Z generation that's coming up, that that's so talented, that, that that's not afraid of expressing themselves with that expression. They need to learn and they can't be ignorant. Because now we start having barbaric ignorance because they're so free and they're not scared to express themselves. It, you take all that expression and put it into voting. Put it into what do you what do you want to see in your city change? It's like when we're 15 or 16, we idolize these rappers, these ball players. We we idolize rappers so much. It got to a point to where we want them to comment on every social issue. Yes, like their opinion is like the, the, like like <laughs> like they are the ones making laws. And I feel like, no, you know, take that passion and, and take that same critique you have of this person, of this rapper, of this entertainer, and critique a politician. I, I swear our houses would look way different if we looked at uh, our politicians as we do our entertainers. I feel like uh, the students at like Memorial, Memorial should implement a student government association program. Like to Ooh. where like the students can have like even if it's like a representative, he can have a voice and to have his him or her like have his, something just like his, his school <laughs> changed. And you know, it would it would help the students like and you know, people can run, it would help the students learn how how to vote and learn how to go through the voting process, learn how to listen to people's uh like listen to their platforms and listen to what they have listen to what they gonna say because it's the, the same thing that's gonna happen here it's going to happen to the in the real world when you have to learn how to listen to these president's platforms. Exactly. You know, if you don't understand your your high school or, or how he want to get his school changed, like maybe he want to change a, a lunch or something at school. Yeah. You can't listen to that. Then how are you going to listen to the president talking about he want to drop gas prices or something? Yeah, like exactly. And, uh, the growing up, you just hit 18. It doesn't instantly. But yeah, you, you, just, you just know. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I, now it's time for me to learn. No, it doesn't work like that. That that, that <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> like you just turn eighteen. It's like oh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, Donald Trump is the president. Like you just get all this political knowledge in you as soon as you turn an adult. <laughs> that's so funny. That I hate a, you guys. Uh, uh, that's a great <laughs> point. And uh, I guess though, we're about to wrap this up. I just want to kind of give a bit of closing remarks. Let you guys give your last opinions, and then we can uh, wrap it up. 
But that is a beautiful idea. I was thinking, you know, um, it's it's great how uh, important and uh, monumental it's starting to become where, you know, private citizens have been contributing and causing change. You know, we've seen with just last year with Harvey about how many, you know, millionaires, celebrities, athletes, rappers who contributed to uh, making those cities survive during mm-hmm. the time. You know, uh, people donating money, people crowdsourcing, you know, people going out there and helping save people's lives while they were trapped in houses. That's that's beautiful. But uh, you also have to uh, participate in the political side. You also have to pay attention to where you vote. I don't ever want people to uh, uh, feel that we're being a bit uh, condescending or judgmental or uppity and all of that. You know, it's just uh, you, you when you come from where we come from and the raising and uh, just the environment that we were raised in, you can look at things differently than other people. You can see the importance in this and importance in that. And it's extremely important in pushing for people who have money, who make money off of you to make this whole world better better for all of us. But the people who truly have the power, the people who make the laws, the people who uh, exactly. handle uh, things that are above our pay grade, you know, people who control us intervening in other countries, you know, a uh, rapper doesn't have that power. <laughs> rapper can't go over there and buy, uh, you know, a war missile or something and blow up uh, Saudi Arabia because they're funding terrorists. They don't have that kind of power. <laughs> people who vote do have that power. Mm-hmm. And um, it is also true that we do need to start getting these kids from a young age because they are malleable. And in my opinion, they're a whole lot more intelligent than people let let on mm-hmm. where they uh, say you're a kid you don't know anybody which I just wanted to give a fun fact is that did you guys see the Tide Pod meme? Yeah. Did you know that until that meme came up there were more deaths from Tide Pods where they were animals eating it old people or the mentally disabled more people died before that became a meme than afterwards but if you go look at read the headlines written by people in their 30s people in their 40s they'll say that millennials are stupid they'll say that millennials are idiots but more People died who weren't even young from Tide Pods before that was even a meme than when kids started making a joke about it. So the whole argument (laughs) that children are stupid is wrong. Uh, It is absolutely necessary to talk to them like the people that they are going to be. You know, you cannot coddle them and then let them hit an age and then just push them out into the real world. And your idea is a a great thing where we do need to start letting um, young people in school start to get their feet in the water of the political landscape where letting young people have a voice and it might not just be a whole mob mentality where young kids just shouting out what they want they nominate somebody who they respect in their class and they speak for them because that's what this country is built on Mm -hmm. and uh that's absolutely i didn't say what i'd like to see change or plans and put out there you know Jalen had the uh mentorship uh, idea you know you with school names but that is absolutely something that i would like to see and put out there more of a a student government body you know exactly how do you guys, you know, what's the last closing remarks you guys would like to say about Port Arthur, about this episode? Uh, oh, oh, usually we'll, like, y'all know how we do. We, we let uh, our co-host, our, our host for today sign off. But I, I would just want to tell you uh, guys a few things about, you know, some announcements, uh, some of our uh, future plans, our, our future plans that are going to be happening really soon. But before I even get to that, it, I want to piggyback off of that comment of about young people are dumb. Uh, when you go to the founding of America, just I'm not even going to tell you these facts. Uh, look up your, our first presidents and how 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 old they were when they became president, and then <laughs> you'll see the argument about <laughs> George Washington was in his early thirties. <laughs> well, well uh, when George Washington actually started his campaign, he was 21. When he was general, when he was general, yes. 
when he was general. I didn't know that. Yes. Aaron Burr. I think Aaron Burr was 20. Mm. So, like, and these are, of course, it's before he became actual president, but they were, there were staples in the American Revolution before they even became president. And these were young people. Uh, even when you look at Alexander Hamilton, young. Well, but uh, anyway, that's just to debunk that. But thank you guys for listening. We love you guys so much. Uh, before I let uh, Jalen give his closing remarks and the sign off, I just want to let you guys know that we are serious about this voting thing. We are so serious about this voting thing. So please check out our new social media, um, E2 the Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me, Andre, uh, our Jalen, to get the uh, link. Our uh, the the uh, you know you know how Instagram where the little shout out thing, and then you just press the little button, and then you go straight to the page. Yeah, so just go to one of our pages, and you can see it. And we're gonna be making an announcement soon about people who vote. You know. I'm just telling y'all, if y'all vote, y'all might have something good coming y'all way. So we're going to be telling you guys about that real, real soon. And I'm going to start elaborating more about the uh, petition needed to change the uh, name of these schools so we can do it even faster and uh, expeditiously. Um, but that's all I got to say. I've been long-winded this episode. Jalen, give your closing remarks so we well, get out. All I have to say is make sure you guys get out there and vote. You know, that you, Whoever's eligible to go vote, get out there and vote. And don't be afraid to go sit in your student council, I mean, not your student council, your city council meetings or your school board meetings because those are very important. You know, that's really all I have to say. Man, please stay active. You can be woke, but all wokeness is nothing without works. So y'all don't even know what I did there. You know, all faith without works. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> Jalen, sign us off. This has been E2. You know, this is Jalen Gidry. Jalen Gidry, Jalen Gasper, and Andre Jackson of Flaxen Waxen. I'm not packing up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are.